Ave Yahweh. Again, the opportunity that you bring to me. You speak to me, guide me, teach me, forgive me, love me. All these infallible truths that you present to me in your word. And for so long, I plotted in this delusional ideal on this plane of existence, claiming to be, but not truly with you. Father God, thank you for knowing me and inviting me to know you. And Father, as late in my life as it is, that I know who you are. And I know that you are the ancient of days. And I know that you are the creator of the universe. And I know that you are the forgiver of my soul. I know that you are my buckler, my protector, and my love, Father God. And thank you for the opportunity to share what you send to me in the writings of others and sharing in the mentors and in your truth, Father, in your book, your guidebook, your roadmap, and your instruction manual that you have presented to us and that you fully engage us in the written word, Father God, and bring us to your presence so that we can practice your presence, we can discover your hearness and enjoy your touch and your warmth and your love. Father God, thank you so much that I can share this word and that any out there that hear will listen and go to your word and seek your face. So my father, my heavenly father, has in, again, I stayed up to do some reading and he engaged in, <laughs> again engaged me to come and spend time on his watch with him. And I love the fact I remember when I was a young man and on security watch in detail and when I was in the military and wandering around out in odd places, dark quiet places. Learned to embrace the night I did for other reasons than what we may know or think of. Pardon me. <laughs> I get really emotional when God comes to me and, and sits with me and, and hugs me and puts his arms around my shoulders and just talks to me and shows me things. It gets me emotional. So um, bear with me a little bit here, if you will, please. I wish that you would. Um, and I wish you really would discover on your own, if you haven't yet. Wow. Okay, so... Some things that I didn't quite share with you um, before that I really 
would like to. And the Holy Spirit is saying that this is a good time to do so. And um, so I'm going to. So I am going to. And um, a couple things that I'm going to refresh and redress. Um, I'm going to start off with a word and some slogans regarding this. And um, it has to do with courage. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is allowing this to happen again because um, things are changing in this world at a very rapid pace and that it's going to require us to be courageous. Now, what is the word courage? What does that mean? Well, bravery and courage, just so you know, are used synonymously, which means interchangeably, but actually bravery and courage are not quite the same, similar but different. And mistakenly will be used synonymously, which means you can plug them in the same way, but despite the fact that they have a completely different definition and, and yet in their similarity, they are quite different. And it takes courage to be brave. That is part of the profound difference right there. It takes courage to be brave. And it doesn't require bravery to be brave. And I know I'm probably totally confusing everyone out there that's listening. But bravery comes when you have taken, and there's an old saying that is actually an old English saying, comes from old English, uh, take heart. And before, take one's courage in both hands. And there's a couple others, and I know this is confusing some, but these, these sayings are old world sayings. Take courage, take your courage in both hands. And have courage to be brave. Well, What the term take courage in both hands means is that you have to settle your nerves. Take yourself, get under control, and be prepared because you're going to need to take action here pretty soon because something is happening. So you take courage in both hands. Settle yourself. Be prepared and ready. And this sharing that I'm doing with you is so that you take your courage in 
both ends and settle yourself down. And just like the word of God tells us is be not afraid nor dismayed. Be courage. And like he told Joshua going into the valley of Jericho, Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, instructed you, told you, however you want to put it, this is God is speaking through his angel that he sent to talk to Joshua. Have I not commanded you to be of good courage? And so I don't, so I don't misstate, pardon me, I just dropped a heavy item on the table, I apologize. Might have come across kind of loud. So in Joshua 1.9, I want to make sure that I don't misspeak that or, or uh, misquote it. So I want to make sure that I tell you correctly. I miss it. I went the wrong way. I apologize. Went the wrong direction. <laughs> I do this sometimes. I get excited and I get forgetful. And when I don't mark it, because I didn't intend to, but the Holy Spirit talks to me as we progress along. And he just took me right where I needed to go. So that's okay. I messed it up, but he cleaned it. So if we go to Joshua 1, 9, and I'm going to share that directly with you, as I usually do. And Joshua, we get the geographical location for all of this stuff. And so you know these things. Uh, and the information is coming straight from the word of God. So in Joshua 1 and 9, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to read with you from Joshua 1 and 6 and go through 1 night. Joshua 1 6. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses may, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the hosts and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for with in three days you shall pass over this Jordan and go into the in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. Pretty powerful statement, and it sounds very instructional to me. I don't know. I still have 
Yeah, I keep throwing that out there because I have I have individuals that are supposed to be elders or members of, and they keep speaking that the Bible isn't that way. Well, that sounds very instructional to me and it sounds very pointed that my servant commanded these. So he told Moses what to tell them and, they to, and he told the people. Just like when God was talking to Moses on the mountain. Now, Moses, I know that you have a cleft palate. I know that you have a game foot. So I'm going to let you carry the big stick so it'll help you walk. And I'm going to have you do some things. And Aaron's going to speak for you. But you just make sure that you tell him to do what I told you. And it must be exactly the way I told you. Because if he doesn't, there will be issues that you're going to have with me, your heavenly father. Well, I don't want that. So when God instructs me, I'm going to make sure that it's carried out the way he decides. So that's just one scripture. Back in Deuteronomy, God tells the people the same thing. Be of good courage for I, the Lord thy God, am with you whithersoever thou goest. Wherever you go, it doesn't matter if you're happy or joyful in the valley and sad, or just trudging along in life, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. So the problem that I have, that I encounter, is that these individuals who decide that they have much more authority than what they really do, self-proclaimed, pharisaical attitude, which makes them very judgmental, it makes them very... Um, arrogant and things that they say because they don't have that true authority to do so. They, they take that authority upon themselves. They are living in what is called a delusional world. I'll share that with you in a minute. So they decide that the word of God is a certain way and they have decided that certain things are obsolete. Well, that's interesting. Because one of the things that they have decided and decided that it is obsolete and no longer pertains to courage. So as I shared with you the statement, take one's courage in both hands. What that means is to settle your nerves, take heart, because you need to be prepared to take action even in a difficult situation. And they have decided that it's obsolete having to do with mindset and spirit. However, we're told in the Bible that the quality of your mind or spirit is what enables you to face difficulty, dangerous situations, or to face pain. And where does that come from? that comes from your steadfast belief and faith in God our Father and loving him, believing him, believing that Jesus Christ came and died for us and believe that the Holy Spirit is going to guide your steps, each and every step through the course of the day. So these delusional individuals that have think that they have much more authority than what they actually do, but here's the thing, don't get combative, don't get confrontational, allow them to speak their dribble. 
and just take it, pray for them. Pray for them that they would receive insight from the Holy Spirit and that they would be delivered of this delusion. So again, who declares it, the obsolescence of terminology or whatever? Who, who decides that it's not gonna be found in the dictionary anymore? And you have these little footnotes in there, oh, obsolete, obsolete, obsolete. And, and then pretty soon within that next year, you don't even find it in the dictionary anymore because somebody's been saying it's obsolete and then they decide to change it. Sounds kind of like those uh, delusional individuals that are part of what they call the so-called cancel culture. Yeah, well, we're going to cancel you. We're going to take care of you. Yeah, we're just going to shut you down. And <laughs> ridiculous as it seems, uh, the individuals actually cause people to lose businesses, to lose money, to lose homes, because they can't, the, a person who uh, relies totally on uh, the internet or what have you for a source of income. And so these individuals don't like what's being shared or told. They decide that they're gonna, they're gonna shut them down. They're gonna cancel them. Um, and it's a very real experience out there and it's a very real op thing that takes place and they call themselves a cancel culture. They don't like something, they just cause them to lose their business or close off. And what I've shared with you before here many times, I'll do it again right now, that's kind of like a double dog dariot sort of thing to these folks. Try the spirit. If you are a true believer and you believe in the word of God and you go to 1 John 4, 1, John tells you, try the spirit in all things. If you think that I'm a deceptive individual and you think that I'm lying to you or telling you something that's not true, try the spirit. Try my spirit. Come on and do it. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit's not gonna tell you not to listen to me anymore. Because what I share with you is the truth and the truth from the word of God and the truth from God. And you know what Jesus told us? And John wrote it. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The truth that I give to you is freely given because God gives it to me. If you don't want to hear it, that's okay. It's not going to bother me. It's not going to upset me. And I'm not going to get all bent out of shape. Because I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And somebody will turn on, somebody will listen. And as I always say, whoever has an ear, let them hear. But more importantly, to listen to the message. Might hear it, but listen. So knowing too, and speaking that from the heart, to take heart, to be courageous. We go to the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs has something to say about that. And I'm going to flip over here to Proverbs 23. 23 and verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. 
I think I tried to share that with you the other day. What that means is that your heart's going to guide you to be over and you're going to have individuals that actually do this. Hey, come on, come on. It's okay. Um, you know, hang out. We'll have a drink. We'll have, and I'll buy you dinner. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy you dinner and buy you a couple drinks and you sit here and, and then realizing that they don't really have your pure interests at heart. They just, whatever their game may be, but here's the thing, too, that you have to remember. That God consistently is constantly, throughout the word of God, talking about the heart. And Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, Christ, anointed of God, teaches of the heart. And we are reminded, again, this uh, that I shared with you from Proverbs, of course, Proverbs being in the Old Testament part of the Bible, the historical part of the Bible. But you go to the New Testament and you can find, speaking of the heart, what does Jesus tell us? Oh, that's a good one right there. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, so that your mindset is on the Lord. And you have individuals that talk about the mindset's not that important. Oh, I'm sorry. Where do you get your authority to say that you're, that Jesus was in error in speaking that it is important and that Paul was also in error? That the Holy Spirit speaking through him was in error and that the heart is not that important and that we shouldn't be of one heart and one mind because we are joined to be one body and the preaching that is given to the encouragement in the church at Ephesus that by faith in him and through Christ Jesus, you, the Gentiles, are able to sit and be co-heirs with Israel and sit at one table, at one table, and be of one mind, one body, and one process. Christ Jesus went out with the courage and spoke with authority. And we find, actually, there are several scriptures in Matthew that speak about his authority and how the Sadducees came to argue with him and were actually completely shut down by the authority that he spoke with. And they couldn't even respond to him. They just shut their pies. Pardon me, getting a little street there. They shut their pie holes, their mouths. They had, no, they had nothing to say. They didn't know what to say and had no idea. Then the Pharisees come along and they hear the absolute authority that Jesus Christ is speaking and they too become dumbfounded. And then they get agitated and they seek to destroy him because he speaks with authority and he speaks truth. It's very interesting, I find, and I've shared this before, is that there are those that would get very agitated when they hear the truth and then they want to 
kill or destroy somebody. They want to cancel culture them. Well, those kiddos, those millennials today that want to be part of the cancel culture, and unfortunately they have older individuals that should know better that want to be part of that as well. They want to be part of the cancel culture. They want to be in charge of shutting stuff down because that gives them power that they don't have normally, nor do they deserve. But it gives them that and it makes them very swell-headed. And I share that because these individuals decided that the truth was not what they wanted to hear. So they were, gonna, they were going to destroy him. They sought how to destroy him and trap him. That didn't work because he kept shutting him down with his authority. They didn't know how to respond to what he spoke with. So then what did they do? The next recourse of action they had, or they decided they had, was they were going to murder him, which is exactly what they did. Nothing was justice. Nothing was truth. It was all intertwined with lying. And the crowd that gathered outside of the tribunal the Pharisees went about through the crowd and were handing people silver to shout out that they didn't want Jesus, that they wanted him crucified. So as they went through the crowd in different places, they handed these coins to the individuals as silver. That's much like they did to Judas, Judas Iscariot, the traitor who betrayed our Lord Christ Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They paid him off. They did the same thing with the crowd. They knew that there were people with authority that were living there, but they also knew that there were individuals that were very poor. And when they dropped coins in their hand, they're like, well, what do you want us to do? Just say, crucify him. When we start yelling, you yell the same thing. You do that, it'll be okay. Maybe we'll give you some more coins. So that is indeed what happened. So they took Jesus out. They had him beat up so they didn't have to sully their hands. Um, and they had the Romans trudge him up Golgotha, place of the skull. And they had the Romans nail him and crucify him. Cruelly, cruelly. None of the Pharisees or Sanhedrin, and they just stood around yelling and mocking and throwing stuff at Jesus because now they're they're the tough guys. He's nailed to the cross, so they want to mock him. And that's what it is with people that don't abide the truth. They have difficulty in accepting truth. They have difficulty in hearing truth. But yet our Christ Jesus went out with courage every day, praying to God the Father. The beginning of the day, he prayed to God first before he even got out of bed sometimes. And walked out and still did God's will. And he prayed several times in the Garden of Gethsemane that God would take the cup from him because he didn't want to die. He knew what was coming. He needed one thing. Remember, I'm going to share this with you again. God was holy, the only begotten son of God, our king from heaven, but he was also a man. And he knew what was coming. 
He didn't want to do it. He prayed twice, I believe, in Scripture. Go back into back of Matthew and Luke. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed so fervently, so intensely, that he broke the capillary vessels in his face and forehead, and he started bleeding from his forehead. And the blood came down his, mingled with his sweat. That's pretty intense. And he said, Father, Father, if there be any way to take this cup from my hand. But then, pretty much in the same breath, he said, as he taught us to pray, not my will, but thy will be done. And of course, we know the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is he was indeed murdered, but he did so so that I could be saved, redeemed. So further on, you heard me mention the term delusion earlier. Well, this is a thing that, that the Pharisees had and the Sadducees. And many Romans actually had that when at the time that Jesus was out there, they, they thought that they had much more authority than what they had. And you have elders that wander around in bodies of churches that do the same thing. They're delusional. And you have, sadly, pastors like that pervert that was stomping around on the stage saying he's going to rewrite the Bible because John 3.16 has been taught incorrectly all the time and God made a mistake in telling us that he was going to send us to hell unless we believe. Well, that's not what God said. Remember, God gave us a free will choice to decide to believe in him, believe in Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit or not to believe and then be condemned to hell. That was a choice, a free will choice that we were given. Delusion. Where does that come from? What's that mean? Well, a delusion. It actually comes from Latin, delusion, delusio. It's mistaken or misleading opinion. That, that I have a little issue with the way that's worded there um, because understand this, an opinion is not a fact, okay? An opinion is just a matter of perspective or an idea, but I understand where they're going with this and that people, because they listen to false or misleading opinions. Ah, perfect example. Thank you, Father. Um, Remember what I've shared before with you about the cheetah and the leopard? And you have so many people that are delusional because they think they know so much. And then you have other people that also become delusional and believe this incorrect op or misleading opinion um, because the facts are that a cheetah and a leopard are not the same creature. They are physiologically different Biology tells us that they are different. And if you look at them physically, they are indeed different. A cheetah's head and 
attached to the shoulders with a longer neck and the head hangs down more. And the cheetah is built for incredible speeds. I heard somewhere that biologists had recorded a top speed from a leopard or a cheetah at 60 miles an hour for a short burst. They can't do that for a long period of time. Just like alligators, they can run on land for up, up to 20 miles an hour and they have recorded speeds up to 26 miles an hour, but they can't sustain that because they're not built for that. The cheetah can't sustain it because that energy gets burnt so fast. Now, leopards are built differently. They're built with very strong forelimbs and shoulders and their neck is shorter and more powerful. They can actually grasp their prey and climb into a tree with it. But you have individuals that will are deluded into the idea that because they say something is so, that it must be so. And you have thousands, actually, that join on the bandwagon that cheetahs and leopards are the same, but they're not. Physiologically, they're different, and that includes their appearance and the makeup of their insides. Different. And are we not delusional in many ways? In many respects, we are. In psychiatry, it's a belief held with the uh, that individuals will believe even in the face of insurmountable evidence. You can't get around it. But they will believe that what you're saying is wrong. And they're going to argue with you that it's wrong. In fact, you give them the information, all the information and the evidence right there, and they're still going to tell you that it's wrong. And it's that they're grabbed up in this self-deception. They convince themselves that it's not true. And despite all the strong evidence that tells you otherwise, that it's not true. It's just like the delusional individuals. And of course, there are those on the other side of the fence that will say the same thing about me. Oh, he's so delusional. Talking about God and Jesus all the time. Well, you're right because... Here's the thing. I have seen empirical evidence. I have had evidence put right in my face. I have seen things that happened that shouldn't have happened. I have witnessed these things with my own two eyes. As they say, seeing is believing. Well, indeed. But not only that, but I feel it. God comes and he, he spends time and shares with me. So I have seen these things. I have witnessed these things. And I firmly believe firmly believe and I'm going to share with you actually I'm going to share directly with you from my readings um, yesterday and today um, as if God is writing to me writing this note to us and I'm going to share it with you that way early morning yesterday come to me when you are hurting I will soothe your pain Come to me when you are joyful. I will share your joy. Multiplying it many times over, I am all you need. Just when you need it, your deepest desires find fulfillment in me alone. 
This is the age of self-help. Bookstores abound with books about taking care of, number one, making oneself the center of all things. The main goal of these methodologies is to become self-sufficient and confident. You, however, have been called to take a road less traveled. Continual dependence on me, true confidence comes from knowing you are complete in my presence. Everything you need is counterpart in me. Remember this too, brothers and sisters, that we have called, we are called to be a peculiar people. I'm going to share this with you. This is also in the scripture. And the reason that Peter shares this, um, 1 Peter, I'm heading back that way. Hang tight with me. Here we go. So in 1 Peter, that would be um, Oh, pardon me. Did I go too far? I did. I went to go. It's uh, right after the book of James. You got Hebrew. Then we go to James. And then you go to uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. So 1 Peter 2.9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That gets me a wowser from there because here's the thing. What does that mean? It means that we are not in tune with everybody else. And that we shouldn't be so willing to jump on the bandwagon and everybody else is calling a cheetah and a leopard the same thing. When we know different, then that's what we are. Then we're, we're called an oddball. We're different. And we're chosen to be that different thing. The Bible gives us guidance on how to be that thing. How many people really truthfully, honestly, if you're being truthful and honest, look around and see how kind everybody is being to everybody. And so many people are so full of kindness and compassion and they're doing all the right things. And the, all our government agencies are taking care of the older people, the veterans, and those that really need help. They're getting, they're getting that help that they need. And they're not giving away the funds and all these benefits and everything that people that live in this country are to everybody that comes here, not as a citizen, but we believe that we should just give it to them and let them come in here and run amok. When every other country in the world, every country in the world does not have open borders. So, not to get into politicking because it was not solid intent, but that I'm giving that example Individuals become delusional. But here's the important thing. Just like the Lord tells us, come to me when you're hurting. So I have this pain as a, as a patriot and a veteran and all these things are going on. My heart's pained. But I talk to God. I pray to God because you know what? God tells me that he is my strong tower. And he is my buckler. And his strong arms are around me. I believe it. I have had empirical evidence. I have been shown too many times. So I'm not delusional. 
I believe wholly, wholeheartedly, that Christ Jesus came in manifestation of the only begotten Son of God and in doing so was murdered and put upon a cross and crucified. People, here's the other thing. Why is it so hard that people have an issue with telling the truth about what happened to Jesus? They, they want to use it like it's some kind of special language. Oh, no, no, you can't say that. You have to say crucified. Well, crucifixion only has to do with the fact that he was put on a cross and nailed, whereas people that were crucified before Jesus were put on and tied and left out there for days and days at a time until they did die, if that's the way that they were sentenced. And sometimes they were just put out there for three or four days and just get really badly beat up and sunburned and starve and near death, and then they would release them and let them go. But they had a point to make because that was their law. Jesus Christ was murdered. There's no getting around that. Yeah, they used crucifixion as a means to murder him, but you had a lot of accomplices and you had a lot of complicit individuals, primarily the pharisaical tyrants and the Sadducees that took everything. And then they went around paying the crowd and me, I was standing out there and when Jesus, my Lord, looked down and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I was standing right there when he looked down at me and he saw me and he still declared that. And you looked right at me and declared that anyway. And yet, Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you continue. You take your courage in both hands. Remember that? Take one's courage in both hands. That means to settle your nerves and march on. And march on. And God continues speaking. As you become increasingly aware of my presence, you find it easier to discern the way you should go. This is one of the practical benefits of living close to me. Instead of wondering about what is on the road ahead or worrying about what you should do, if or when you can. Remember what I shared with you when that came up? Yeah, but what if they, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if they don't like my shoes? What if they think that I have buck teeth? What if they think this? What if they think I lisp? What if I, what if I, what if I'm not the right color? What if I'm, 
Yeah, well, what if, what if? So you use those excuses for not going out to witness and testify the word of God that God called us to do. So here's my response. Even if my God, Abba Yahweh, creator of all things made, first and last, ancient of days, the great I am, And my Lord, my God of even if. So what if they do? So what if they say that? So what if they act that way? Even if God is with us, God is with you, God is with me. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And because he is so magnanimous in all these things that he gives to us and his love is so deep and so wide that you cannot even begin to fathom the depth or figure it out that he can tell me that and be truthful. And then go to somebody else and say, you know what? You're my own. I love you. I love you. He's not lying. Why? Because his love is so great. For God so loves the world. Okay, what's up with that? Every single person in the world he loves and he didn't want it to be flooded or destroyed again. So he came and was crucified, murdered for our benefit so that he can shed his blood to, re to redeem us, to save us. So we need to concentrate on staying in communication with our Father. And when we actually get to, I've shared with you this term before, turning point. In this reading, it's called a choice point. So you have to make a decision. You're going to turn right, you're going to turn left, or are you going to make a U-turn? That's a turning point. I love that term that's used from one of my um, mentors. And I love it because that's exactly what we need to do with all these spirits. When we get to a turning point, are you going to decide to repent and turn around and go back to God? Or are you going to make a left turn or right turn because the Holy Spirit told you to do that so that you would have an opportunity to meet and share with somebody? What are you going to do? Many people are so preoccupied with future plans and decisions that they fail to see choices they need to make today. Without any conscious awareness, they make their habitual responses and people who live in this way find a dullness that creep into their lives, sleepwalking through their days, following well-worn paths of routine. And here's something I'm going to share with you because as a kind of a country guy and having lived out in the country and, and uh, seen this in real life, um, and some of you may or may not have heard this um, in a rut. Well, Back in the old country, it was easier to get in rut with wagon train with a wagon and the wagon wheels, and it happens even with vehicles. And I've I've actually physically done that a couple times, where you get and you're following this road, and then the road all of a sudden just becomes so worn out because of the rain and everything, and it drops into this deep rut. Like it, it's very deep, but it's a road. But then you need to make a turn and get it. And you can't because the sides are so steep. Now you're stuck in a rut. 
and you've got no place to go but straight ahead or put it in reverse and then back out. Or get some neighbor that's got a tractor can come and chain you up and pull you out. And we just have to remember that the creator of the universe, he is the most creative being, being that, that you can possibly imagine, okay? He continues to write, I will not leave you circling in deeply rutted paths. Instead, I will lead you along the fresh trails of adventure, revealing to you things you did not know. Stay in communication with me. Follow my guiding presence. Brothers and sisters, that's what God wants us to do. Stay in communication with him. Love him. Be aware of him and practice his presence. Practice the presence of the Lord God Almighty. For he is our heavenly father and he loves us deeply. And that's what he wants with us. A personal relationship with us. He is with us and he is for us. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers going out and coming in. Be blessed.